This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our TGT podcast, our weekly show in which we talk about the week's events. But of course, with the international break currently on, there is no Arsenal game, uh, men's game that is to talk about, of course. Uh, but we are still going to be doing a show talking about a lot about the, the men's team still and a lot of the occurrences that have gone on this week. And because there's no game, it means there was no preview, which means there was no opportunity for some of our members to join us. However, because of that, I thought I'd open up the podcast uh, this week to the members in the Discord server. So I'm very happy to be joined by a few of them today. First of all, I'm joined by Dan. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? Are you still yeah. suffering from your poor form in the Fantasy League? To be honest, I haven't even looked because I know I'm doing that badly. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's, yeah. it's not the best. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still like 150th. So Let's not talk go. about it, I think. <laughs> no, I'm doing well. Just a bit bored of this international break already. Mm. Just want it over. I want my Arsenal back. Yes, we want our Arsenal back is, uh, is, is certainly the words. We're also joined, it's been a while, but I'm absolutely delighted to have back. It's Jared A and mate. You well? Doing good. Glad to be back. It's been a little while, so glad to be back yes. on the show with you and Dan both. Good to have your Chicago tones back in the, the building. Have you uh, met up with John yet at all? Have you been able to meet up with John? I haven't. My schedule the last about two months has just been crazy where I'm working every day but Sunday. And of course, since we're not in Europe this year, we play nothing but Saturday games. So I can't can't get out to watch any of them. But yeah, uh, it's definitely in the plan. Uh, I've seen him at the supporters club. Uh, mm-hmm. Front and center of those clips. Hard to miss. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He positions himself perfectly. Very much so. I look forward to seeing John next year when he... When he's over, um, but fingers crossed you can uh, catch up with him when you're not working one weekend would be nice. Yeah, it's uh, definitely in the plans as soon as I can get out to a game. For sure. There is, uh, hopefully we're going to have a joined by our third guest, King, a little bit later on, uh, but fingers crossed he'll, he'll be with us. But a flaky King, always turning up a little bit late. So we'll see if he does indeed turn up soon. Um, but first of all, let's talk about 
the main issue of the show, uh, we are going to go into a number of topics, but kind of the, the, the crux of the episode is, is going into a little bit of Arsenal's kind of goal-scoring problems that they face this season. Five goals is all they've scored in the opening seven games, and three of those came in the North London derby. Of course, we have got 10 points from our last 12, but the Brighton game again showed Arsenal's kind of inability, I suppose, to break out from that Brighton press. And without the, a set piece from Martin Erdegaard against Burnley, and without a very fortunate goal, you have to say, against Norwich, we may not have won those games either. And it certainly is an area of the field that we need to desperately improve on. So, Jared, I'll start with you. What is What are you most concerned about and where do you see the solutions coming from? It's a tough one because I think this is kind of the first time that we've had all of our attacking options available and healthy. And we've had, you know, we've talked about, well, once everybody's healthy, we're going to really hit our stride. And now we're there and it really hasn't materialized yet. The, the plus side is while the attack hasn't been great in the last few games, we've still gotten good results, which is something, you know, we couldn't say probably last year and the year prior when we, we didn't attack well. We just didn't weren't able to nick out those one no wins and things like that. As far as how we address it, it's difficult. You know, we're, I don't see us bringing really anybody in this season too much pending, you know, something happening with Jaka where he's not going to be back in January. Mm. So it, it'll naturally improve a little bit. The, the longer guys play together, they get a little continuity. You know, you expect it to improve a little bit. But I, I think for me, the, the one major change I would make um, in the upcoming game would be to uh, start Lacazette uh, up front in the nine spot. I thought in the Brighton game, while we didn't score a goal, I think it was very evident in the first, you know, five, ten minutes he was on of sort of the impact he has coming back to the ball near midfield and just opening things up. We got a, a couple good runouts um, as soon as he came on. So that, that's the that's the main change I would like to see coming into the upcoming game. And then, you know, after that, we'll see what it looks like. If that doesn't work, then <laughs> then we're going to have to come up with some new ideas. Dan, do you concur? Is it something that you'd be looking into is swapping at Aubameyang at the moment? Yeah, I agree, actually, because last season, I think we all were on that kind of level, thinking Laka should be starting as a number nine. He get, he gives more to the team, the way we play, because I think of Aubameyang, it's either, well, it pretty much is just play a ball a bit forward and he can run onto it, but that doesn't really happen the way we play. And I think we need a striker who can hold the ball up and give it to Smith-Rowe and Odegaard and Saka and help out with the midfield. And Laka does that much better than Aubameyang. Mm. And then this season at the start, obviously, they was it he, he was injured or he had COVID, so he hasn't really started many games. And Aubameyang's been the striker. And he just, he, he's been better a few of the games. He scored that hat-trick, didn't he? And then the North London derby, he was very good as well. But I'd like to see if Lacazette, what, what he could do, because I think he, yeah, he provides more for the team. And I'd really like to see him in our next game. Yeah, I think it's going to be one that divides opinion in the chat box and we're going to get to some of your thoughts and feelings. Uh, of course, the title of today's video is How to Ask Them Solve Their Goal-Scoring Issues. Uh, Ashwin Watkins kicked off the chat box by saying, the answer is quite simple. You get a better manager, <laughs> which is certainly something that we'll come on to discussing. Isaac says, shoot more. Quick one-two passing to bypass the pressure and creates rebounds for the tap-ins. I mean, to be fair to Arsenal, they have had over 60 shots I think it is in the last four games league games that is so it's not like we're not shooting enough it's the clinicalness in the final third that's that's letting us down unfortunately uh good evening to everybody that's joining us we've got Pablo Matt G Temi 
Uh, I know Pablo was shouting out the show from Jared's tweet earlier on today, so thank you, Pablo, for that. Tom, uh, Ed, who is going to be over for the Aston Villa game uh, very, very soon. Looking forward to to joining up with everyone and seeing a few of our members for that game for sure. Uh, John Bamford says, very simply, replace Arteta with Graham Potter. Uh, and Arslife says, uh, which is a very strange name, and maybe they've not considered the uh, wider meaning of that, but says, I love Aubameyang and Lacazette, but we need a combination of them. And in my honest opinion, nothing happens until we have a striker that can hold up, create and score. Jared, let, let's go down the the kind of the root of the, the manager side of things. How much of this lack of creativity, lack of goal scoring? I talked about the fact we've created 60 shooting chances in the last four games. So you can't really say that the system's not created opportunities to shoot. Does that then still fall on the manager that we're not taking those chances? To some degree. I mean, I think a lot of it is just the finishing of the players we have. And and there is a difference between, you know, a chance created and a, and a quality chance created. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at some of... I, and I, I hate to hate on the guy because I love him, but some of Thomas Party's efforts, yeah, we're creating shots, but are these, you know, really goal-scoring opportunities? Likely not. So I, I think it's a combination of things, but that, that at least is one area we've improved is, you know, we used to have trouble just getting shots off. Now we're we're getting a bunch of them off and just not seeing the results. So hopefully we'll kind of find a, find our level and find some ways to convert some of those opportunities. But I, I do like that we're getting a lot more shots off. It's you, you look at a team like City, it's sort of, you know, at times it feels like death by a thousand cuts. They just get so many shots off that eventually, you know, they get some to go. And like somebody said in the chat, you know, the goalkeeper spills one, you get some tap-ins, you know, you just find ways to get goals, whether they're, you know, exciting, beautiful play or just cheap tap-ins, you know, I'll take them all the same. So hopefully over the next few games, we kind of level out a little bit and just convert a few chances and, it'd be nice to just go a couple games in a row of, you know, getting a couple of goals and not trying to cling to the one nils and things like that. I think that would do a lot for, uh, for the fan base at least and uh, what they think of the team currently. Yeah. I think that it's really difficult because when you talk about the chance, the number of chances that we've created, that comes from the system. Like there's been a, difference in the way that we've played from the opening three games to the following four games that I've noticed. And that Spurs North London derby was kind of the first time that I'd really seen a system implemented into the game. And that's something that I can get on board with. But that system then wasn't apparent when we went into the next game against Brighton and we kind of just completely abandoned them. And that that's a real strange one for me. Dan, do you is the I mean I asked John Bamford in the chat because arguably saying nice try to deflect away from Arteta. And so I asked John what do you make of the fact that our Arteta system is creating shooting opportunities? They're just not being scored. To which John's replied saying quality of chances matters, Tom. Arsenal are 16th in the Premier League for their XG, which is a fair response. So what do you make of that? But I mean, it's not Arteta on the pitch creating these chances. But his argument, John, will be that it's his coaching that is, is trying to create those opportunities. And the, the system that he's implemented is not creating good enough chances. I think we do create good enough chances. We just don't take them. I think over the last yeah. year or two, we've had Lacazette in chance. I always remember that Leicester game and it was an easy header and he just, I think it went too high. Or, But Lacazette, Aubameyang, all our strikers do miss these chances. And maybe we just need a new tool. Maybe we need a new, a new striker because I don't think it's working for either of them, really. I'd like mm. to see Lacazette get given a few more games because the last time... I've never, 
I'd say for the last, sorry, five, ten games that Lacazette has started, I've been quite happy with him, the way he's played. So I'd like to see him get given the chance. But he's got one year left. Can we invest that time with him? It's a difficult one. I think when we then talk about the, the next layer, which comes down to who do you bring in instead of a Bamiang? You're looking at Lacazette and you're going, he's got a year left on his, less than a year left on his deal. You've got Nketiah who's in the same situation. And then the next one down from that is Flo Balogun, who is still very much with the under 23s. He's better than that level. He needs to be playing senior football. But it's a big risk still, Jared, to, to throw Balogun in, especially when we threw, threw him in against Brentford. And I know he didn't really get the service, but he didn't he didn't take he didn't grasp the opportunity in the same way that you've seen other players, like say Martinelli when he first came into the side when he made his debut, like when he got ten goals in that first season. Do you think it's worth the risk in bringing in a Balogun soon? I'm not really in favor of him playing a big role at the first team this season, or you know, in the starting eleven in the Premier League games. I think he's kind of in that weird spot. Like you said, he's clearly, you know, above the U23 level, but I'm not sure he's a hopefully top six Premier League team level. Mm. So he he's one that my choice with him would be to to find a loan for him in January where he can go out somewhere that needs a striker, can play first team football and, you know, start, you know, 15, 18 games the latter half of the year and, and really get some experience. I, I would much rather than him see Obama Yang and Lacazette I know Lacazette isn't the huge in-favor guy with a lot of people, but I still think if you played he and Balogun the same number of games in the Premier League this year, Lacazette is going to produce um, many more goals and assists than Balogun would, in my opinion. I just don't think he's quite there yet. Um, I did like that you brought up Martinelli because I know he's kind of looked at now as more of a winger or a wing player, but I, I think he's one that I wouldn't mind seeing, seeing him play some sort of role. Um, in the games where you know we seem like we stagnate a little bit going forward, he... Uh, I don't think he's Arteta's favorite because he's a little bit chaotic and maybe not tactically, you know, what yeah. Arteta is looking for. But, you know, in some games you need that. Somebody to just kind of mix it up, create a little chaos and create some opportunities in the way that a player, you know, similar to Joe Willick did. I, I thought that he kind of had that same way about him that, you know, he's high energy and can just create something from nothing. Yeah. And I think we have that in Martinelli and I, and I hope we get a chance to see him this season more so than I do Balogun uh, in the Premier League. Martinelli is certainly someone that I'm going to focus on a lot more. Um, but before we do, let's bring in King, who joins us now. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? I'm good. I had some trouble to get on. It's all right. Screen. Technical difficulties in 2021 is is very much life for us right now. So uh, <laughs> the fact is that you won and you beat the computer and you're here. So that's what matters. We're just having a bit of a discussion at the moment, King, about kind of the way in which Arteta's system is creating chances. Like we talked about the fact we've created 60 shooting opportunities in the last four games, but we've only scored five goals. What do you think is is behind that issue and how does Arteta solve it? I think it's two. Uh, one, it's definitely down to the system. If you look past these two games and if you look at the whole tenure we've been under Arteta, mm. we have not created enough chances to be a better team or be higher up in the table. Um, I think it's important, you know, when you look at data, that you look at a long period to make a fair assessment of the issue. And I think that under Ateta, we've struggled to create a lot of chances. Teams miss sitters. Good players miss sitters. Even players like Ronaldo miss one-on-one -on -one opportunities. I saw him last night even miss a couple of one-on-ones. So that's something that happened. Uh, the second one is uh, the quality of 
our attacking players. If you look at your Smith Rowe, if you look at Saka, they're not the most clinical players. They're very talented players, very creative players to give you lots of energy runs, but they are not the most clinical. And then it, if you look at our more senior players like Pepe has been in and out of the team, uh, Aubameyang has been on the left, has been on the central, even been on the right sometimes, and he's not been at his best at all. And then you have, like I said, who number-wise is the most clinical, but he's not in the box enough. He doesn't get to enough chances. So mm. I think it's a problem with both the quality of the players that we have and the system that the manager set up. It's interesting, isn't it, Dan, when you look across the, the Arteta's tenure, King raises a point. If you look at it across the entire thing, the attacking potential of Arteta's teams has been lacking. He's improved the team defensively. I don't think we can have many arguments about that. Defensively, we've really improved third best defence in the league last season. This season, obviously, you look past the, the chaos of Manchester City, but we were doing quite well defensively in, since uh, Gabriel and Ben White have come into the team and Tommy Asa as well. We've only conceded one goal in those four matches. So that's improved, but it's over the course of Arteta's tenure. He's not been able to grasp that attacking potential and if that's not happened in 18 plus months can we ever expect it to, to, to come forward in the short term well I think the way that Arsenal are playing at the moment it doesn't suit Aubameyang to play up front in this role and that that's the problem I think the last time Aubameyang was this was like really clinical mm. remember when we played that five at the back where Ainsley Maitland-Niles was playing as that left wing back and during that FA Cup run, that was the last time Aubameyang was really clinical. And so when it's four at the back, he, he doesn't work as much. And I, I don't think Arteta really sees that, which is the problem. I think this this uh, formation might suit Lacazette, which is why I want to see him. Uh, just because, yeah, it helps Smith-Rowe and... Like, like you said, Smith-Rowe and Odegaard aren't like, the most clinical players. They'll, mm. It'll come a time when they will. But I think Lacazette is clinical and the way we play might be good for us and his leadership as well. I don't think Aubameyang really has that leadership, even though he is a captain. I don't think he helps the rest of the team like Lacazette would. Do you think Do you think you look at a player, Jared, like Aubameyang, as Dan says, that someone that's desperately craving service and someone that desperately needs the ball played into him in, in quite close proximity to the goal. And if you look at, um, I think I saw a statistic the other day saying that for the distance away from the goal that shots are being taken from, Arsenal are, I think, in the bottom two or three teams. I think alongside, I think, is it alongside Brighton or Palace? I think it might be Palace. We're alongside in, in the two teams that take shots from the furthest away from the goal. And if you look at the teams that take their shots closest to the goal, it's Manchester City, it's Liverpool, it's the teams that are at the top of the table competing. So you see shots like we saw against Brighton with Partey and Lekonga shooting from range because there's frustration that we're not getting that ball into the better positions. Now, does that fall on players like Saka and Smith-Rowe and Erdogan that aren't necessarily creating the best chances? Or was that, again, fall towards the manager for not implementing a system that creates better chances? It could be a little bit of both. I actually think yeah. that's one that's probably more on Arteta. When you look at it over the course of a season, if the team is just not getting shots close close into goal, and I mean, I, I don't think you need to be a you know a major data analytics es expert to say you know the closer your shots are, the more likely you're going to score goals. And so I think he does play a role there in figuring out ways to create some of those chances, but closer in. 
And I think some tactical changes by him potentially could, could bring that on because I, I think from just a raw talent level, someone like Martin Odegaard, for example, is an exceptional passer. I think if we're getting players into dangerous areas, he's a guy that I have a lot of confidence is going to, you know, get them the ball and hopefully they'll be able to convert and, and we'll get some goals. But I, I think that's an area that Arteta should maybe focus more having that stat. I was not familiar with, but I think it's a, it's an important one to look at because like you said, the teams that are getting chances close in, if they're all up at the top, you know, seems pretty obvious we need to make a move to try and put ourselves in that group as well. Uh, it's when when you look at the Arsenal of old under Arsene Wenger, do you remember those days that we would have dom- we dominate the possession against a lot of the teams that we would say are were below us and that we were expected to be and we'd be passing around the edge of the 18-yard box for for so long in games trying to find that right time to play the killer ball. We don't play like that anymore, King, do we? We play very much a there's, – there's two kind of systems I look at. One's a very much a counter-attacking system under Arteta in which we absorb press, pressure and then we attack using the wide areas, using pace as much as possible. And then the other system that we try and use is that we get into the wide areas and then we'll try and get the ball across the box. And it's a very fancy way of saying we do a lot of crossing is what we do. And when you've got someone like a Bamiang who feeds off kind of these low driven passes, the cutbacks, the inverted balls and those balls in behind, he's not really the striker that's going to be suited to that style. So do you think then you have to say Arteta is making an error by not necessarily using a striker that suits the system that he wants to play? And is there actually anything wrong with the system that he wants to play? He just doesn't necessarily, as you said earlier, have the players for it. Well, uh, two things. Uh, I think number one, because Arteta is such a new manager and he hasn't used his system in another team where we can say, oh, this was successful at that team, so it would definitely work here. We just need the players. It's hard to say. I say it's a 50-50 gamble, but what we can say is that the style that he's using doesn't benefit a player like Aubameyang. It's almost like we are playing a style where we need someone like a Dominic Calvert-Lewin, maybe someone who's good in the, in the air, who can link up, but can be that present. You know, if Tierney put in a cross, he will be at the end of the cross. And for me, that's an error from the manager because you have to look at, we decided to give Aubameyang a big contract, put all yeah. our eggs in one basket. If you do that, that means that you should build your team for your star man. And that's where I think Arteta got it wrong. It would have even been better if we would be like, you know, Arteta wants to change his model. We're going to sell Aubameyang. Maybe we just get 20 mil or 25 mil. But in mm. the long run, we can get the striker that we need and play the football that we want to play. I think that would have been a better scenario than giving me this big contract on a three-year deal. He's 32 now and we are playing at a way who doesn't suit him. We don't score enough goals and goals give teams confidence. And you can see that sometimes we lack that confidence. Dan, what happened against Spurs then? Because in that game, as we talked about, I did see a system. I, I did see the chances that we want to see Arsenal. I mean, specifically the Smith Rowe goal in which Saka crossed a beautiful ball, low driven for an easy finish. And I mean, even a Bamiang's goal, even though it was a low XG shot to his left foot and he, he struck it very well, that type of chance again was was in was in the box. It was well created. What was the what was so different about that game that meant we could create high-quality chances like that? I think it was the level of the opposition as well. 
I mean, Spurs, do you think it's as easy as that though? Because I know a lot of people will say that, but is it as is it really as simple as saying they were terrible? <laughs> I mean, they were terrible, but also I think the players are probably a lot more fired up against Tottenham as they are against Brighton away, and that shouldn't mm. be the case. They should be fired up every game because we really came at them like all guns blazing. We went out straight away, where we don't tend to do that too often. Sometimes we we'll get a lot of chances at the beginning and we won't take them. And it just fell to our feet that game. And we were just clinical as well. And when you have players like Saka and Smith-Rowe playing at their best, there's nothing much better than them. And the two of them were really up for it that game. Hmm. And then when you go to the next game, which is Brighton, I don't. I hate this excuse. I'm not blaming the weather. But the pitch, the surface, probably didn't suit players like that. And it probably didn't help us. Not that it helps the opposition, but we probably yeah. can't play the same kind of football that we'd want to. The kind of slip playing that we like to play, especially against Tottenham. In the counter-attacks, it probably wasn't the, the best way to do it. So it's a difficult one. I, I'm not necessarily concerned about our attacking options because, yeah, we have got 10 points out of the last 12 games. And, okay, the first two were what one nil is one nil but against Spurs I really saw that that work and I think mm. I can see that again I just hope it does happen because if we play the same way and maybe I know you've talked a lot about this left-footed midfielder like a Granite Xhaka mm. if we had that it would probably help Tierney as well and Tierney's often quite a big big factor in us winning as well with his kind of attacking threat, but he's been off it as well this season. Yeah, I think he's had a poor season so far. I think it's hard. Yeah. I think it's hard sometimes for Arsenal fans. And some will turn around and be like, what? It's Tierney. He's been great. But let's be real. Like, we need to assess players all the same as you assess uh, Granite Xhaka as you do Kieran Tierney. And Tierney's not been great, but I think a lot of that has been down to a lack of service on that side. I mean, Xhaka's played, what, that one game after his suspension and the other, the other games that he played prior to that, we were pretty dire and to be honest in the games that he didn't play against Norwich and against Burnley uh, we didn't exactly create loads down that left flank in either of those games so it, it's for me it is whilst I don't think you go Granite Xhaka is the reason why we're not winning you can't say that out no. and out it's it's not him. It's just the presence of someone that can unlock the left-hand side. Now, for us, that just happens to be Xhaka. But if you added someone, which is something, as you say, I've been writing about recently, is if you add someone that does unlock the left and you take away the, the, the attributes of Xhaka that we all want to be removed, the, the, the errors, the, the ill-discipline in certain moments, and obviously the issues socially that he has with the fan base as well, remove all that and you've got a very good player. And I think the Xhaka shows that as he did in the North London derby, that he can be a very good player when you remove all of the negative sides to his game. But it, we can't rely. We can't rely on just having a left-footed player to unlock that side because, I mean, you look at plenty of teams in the Premier League, they don't all have a left-footer in their central midfield to open things up. I mean, I'm trying to think of, of Liverpool's midfield that, that won the league. It was, what, Fabinho, Jordan Henderson and Wijnaldum, and all of them are right-footed, are they not? So it's... You don't have to rely on it on a left footer, but I just feel it's as shown with Xhaka, it's something that certainly helps us. And let's just just see what the chat books are saying. And we are going to open up the floor to questions now for the last uh, fifteen to twenty minutes of the show. So if you aren't uh, already involved in the chat, please make sure you do get involved. And let's see what you guys are saying. Uh, I did ask saying what did Spurs not do that others have done so well to kind of stop us from attacking uh, like we did in that North London derby. And Alistair said that Spurs 
don't play in kind of this low block, which is interesting because Nuno is a defensive coach. Like he's not an offensive coach. So it's interesting to see that kind of retort in, in the sense that they kind of pushed forwards. And yes, they were more attacking, but I still think that they were fairly defensive in the North London derby. And we just cut them open quite easily. I know that the first goal came from that, that header we won from Ben White, but we did really well down the right-hand side to create it through Saka. The second goal was very much a counter-attack, but Spurs were back by the time we got in and Aubameyang finished really well. And then when you think to the third goal, got a bit of luck from Saka and, and Harry Kane's collision, but we still attacked them and we created more chances in that game as well. And it's just for me, I, I struggle to see the difference and why there's such a clear difference between that North London derby and the other games. And I just don't quite buy the what you said down there about that they were just really bad. And I know that they were really bad, but that's not enough to convince me that we're not capable of producing those level quality of chances in, in other games. Does that make I think, sense? I think we were, because we saw that game, we were expecting the same, if not better, against Brighton. I know in the predictions, yeah. we all thought 4-1, 4-0, 3-0. <laughs> but it's not going to be like that. We're Arsenal. And I think Brighton were also very good. It, it wasn't just on us. Yep. They, they defended very well, I thought. So... Yeah, it takes two teams to, to tango, I guess, to have the yeah. game. And they they were good as, as you're going to get really this season in terms of defensively. Clock Orange asks, Jared, what do you guys think of playing a 3-5-2 formation? Ironically, the same formation that Brighton played against us. With Tierney left wing back and Saka right wing back with two strikers in Aubameyang and Pepe, which will help Pepe be closer to the goal and not so isolated so he can create havoc. It's an interesting one, and I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed, I, I guess I would say, but it is a pretty big shift from, you know, the 4 3 3 or 4 2 3 1 that we're kind of seeing the team play week in, week out. And I'm not sure right now when we're on, you know, we, we don't love the performances necessarily, but when we've won three of four, taken 10 points from 12, I'm not sure we're at a point where coming into four decently winnable games potentially i mean lester's a tough one but the other three i'm not sure i would make a, a big change going into those because I, I think we're on track to get good results in the upcoming games and you know if it continues to sort of stagnate or we're not seeing improvement you know after a couple two or three more games i would i would maybe look at a change and i and i don't hate the back three either i think it's something we did pretty well under arteta but mm. right now we're on a good run of results i don't want to make any massive system changes especially coming into a, a fairly easy-ish run of games at the Premier League level. Uh, King, Paul Guy says, does Arteta need to encourage more through balls because of the pace that we have up top? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at the qualities of the players we have in the attack and you look at the Spurs game, it kind of tells you that through balls is something that we thrive in. You know, Aubameyang is good in through balls. Uh, I know it's not as fast as it was when he just came or at Dortmund, but he's still a player who's good in transition. Smith-Rowe has a lot of energy, loves to be in transition. Saka as well. So, yeah, I do think we need that. But then again, do we have those players, especially when Shaka is not playing? Because you mm. need, I mean, we have Odegaard. And I do think that Partey's passing is very underrated. But then, who's that third midfielder? Or do we play a double pivot? Or... I think Gabriel and White are also very good passers. Mm. So yeah, especially, especially White, I would say. Gabriel is okay. But I say White is exceptional. 
on the ball. Mm. So I do think uh, if we change the formation or uh, where we have more players that are good on the ball, then well, yeah, of course, I think it would help us a lot. I think it would yeah. make us more unpredictable. I think sometimes we become too predictable. It's very easy to read what we're going to do. Teams know that we rely so much on Kieran Tierney that they kind of let us do what we want to do because they know that if we put in the cross, Aubameyang is most likely not going to score. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the predictability of Arsenal has been really quite clear and obvious for so many opposition sides in, in during Arteta's tenure because he, he is very one-dimensional. And you know if you stop Arsenal from using the wide areas, you've pretty much nullified their entire threat. So if you double up on the wingers or you, you play a back three system as both Chelsea and Brighton did really successfully in both of their games against us, it really does limit what Arsenal can do. Uh, Ludwig says, why do you want us to sell Pepe when he has the second highest goals and assists since joining? Uh, look, I'll, I will take this because I, I know that Ludwig's directing this in my direction. Um, it's a very simple one for me. And one I would say that if you take away the Europa League goals and assists, you have a very different pattern. Uh, 15 league goals and 65 league games is not a return that I think is reflective of the investment that Arsenal put into the player, which isn't his fault. But for Arsenal to get into the top four, which has to be our, our ultimate aim, I know that we want to get to the top six first and then push towards that top four. But Pepe scoring 15 league goals and 65 league games isn't enough especially when we struggle for goals from lots of other areas of our team, a player that we've invested in as our key quality marquee figure has to be the Alexis Sanchez, has to be those those big style players for us in those positions. And he's he's just not done that. And it's football's not binary, as so many people think. Me saying that I want to sell Pepe is not me saying, oh, he's awful, get rid. It's me saying that I want someone better. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, is, is wanting to upgrade or improve on someone that's better than what we've already got. Um, let's go to Dan from Nilesh, who says, is it time to stop using Kieran Tierney as an overload wingback and stick to him as the fallback role? It's a difficult question. Uh <laughs> I think he is playing as a fullback, am I right? Like when we've got four at the back, it depending on well, I guess if Shaka's there or if he's not mm. there. But he he he's a good defender. I do think he is quite a good defender. So if he stays at left back, it's fine. But because Tommy Asu's also kind of that centre back as well, it means that Tierney does often go up up on the wing. And his crossing recently, I was watching a bit of the Scotland game, actually. And his crossing is just, it's not the same as when he arrived. I think he's been learning off Hector Bellerin. But... <laughs> there we go. Any chance to dig out Hector Bellerin in the show? He's on loan and Dan's still digging him out. We're gone. <laughs> yeah, we still own him, don't we? Very true. Um, I don't think it's time to stop that because I think he is best when he's when he is crossing. He just needs to get back to his old form. I, I think he's playing the fine system. I think Tommy Asu adds a lot of balance to, to that yeah. side, I think, because he tucks in and Gabriel and White shift over to the left when Tierney pushes forwards and, and Tommy Asu can, as we said, tuck in and I think that gives us plenty of balance. So I'm not too concerned. I just I agree with you, Dan. I just think he needs to refine those those crossing opportunities. Uh, Amandeep says, Jared, do you think that Lukonga should be given an extended run or should Ainsley Matlinaz come in and I'll add a third option or do you think we should switch to the 4-3-3 with Partey as the sole number six? I don't love 
Hardy is the sole number six, cause just because I think he's one of our more talented players overall, and that's kind of limiting what he's able to do. Um, mm. He's one that I want freed up as much as possible. I think we need to, you know, the midfield's obviously the area we're thin, so I think the talent that we have there we need to look to maximize, and I think we do that by allowing him to be as, as involved as he can be and not kind of sitting back in that six role. The Lokanga Maitland-Niles is, is a tough one. I don't love Lokanga and Party as a pairing. You know, it, it's one that maybe if, really? they get a run of, if they get a run of games, you know, maybe they'll get better. But I mm. I think they're very similar in what they want to do. And I don't like Lokanga trying to be fit into the Jaka role because I just don't think it fits his skill set. I look at him as a guy who'd be a perfect guy to come in if Thomas Party's out with injury. I think he fills his role a lot better than I do kind of filling in on the left side for Xhaka. That mm. said, I'm not sure Ainsley Maitland-Niles <laughs> really has that skill set either. So uh, in that regard, it's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other. There's and, always El Nenny. <laughs> yes, I shouldn't have laughed. Yeah, there yeah, is yeah. El Nenny. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. It's so very, I'll, your, your I'll say this. actually true, yeah. Yeah, El Nenny would be my third choice of the three. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't be opposed to Maitland-Niles getting a few more minutes. I think the few times he's got in, he's been you know relatively effective. I don't think long term he's going to take us where we all want the team to go, but you know, given the options we have, I think he's a, he's a suitable one, and I'd really be fine with either guy in that spot, to be honest. Is Charlie Patino that guy for the future? <laughs> maybe for the future, yeah. not yet, he's, but he's, maybe. he still needs to specialize, so we'll see uh, where he ends up positionally. Uh, King uh, from Stumped, who says, uh, "Do you think that our hopes of ever getting top four again is finished, seeing as there's only kind of one spot left to fight for with Manchester City, Chelsea?" Uh, and uh, Liverpool being those big three, and now Newcastle uh, coming to the fold. What do you make of that? No, not at all. I don't. I don't believe that. I think um, we have to remember that football, especially if you look at Premier League history, you know, we we had periods when Arsenal and United dominated. Then Chelsea came in; it was more United Chelsea. Then City came in; it was more City Chelsea. But you've still had the odd seasons where Tottenham have break into the top four, Arsenal being in top four, Leicester being in top four, Liverpool, etc. I just think that we can still break into the top four. All we need is we need a we need a consistent plan that we that we stick to because mm. we don't have money to waste on with new ideas, new plans, new projects. We need to be consistent on what we want to do. And then we need to find the best manager who's who can uh, execute that plan so for example if we go on a, a couple of months and we see that oh unfortunately it's not Arteta the board has to be brave enough and say that we need to sack this manager not because he's a bad manager but he's not the right manager for our team and then you look at the project you look at the players you assess it and then you get the manager who can get the best out of the group of the players that we have and then we mm. move on we have a lot of talents that we can sell, get money for, and buy more quality, buy world-class players. I mean, it's still possible. And it's sports. You know, nobody thought that Leicester would win. So it, things mm. do happen, you know. No, it's anything can happen. Uh, I, I genuinely think people are overhyping Newcastle at the moment. I see the same people saying that Newcastle are going to get into the top four, and the same people saying, Who wants to sign for Arsenal? We're not in Europe. And yeah, I'm looking at that and going, well, There's a little bit of a contradiction there. <laughs> so we'll wait and see 
what happens with them. It's uh, it's too early to tell. We've probably got time for one quick uh, question each before we wrap up. So let's go to Manu, who says, Dan, talking about needing to score goals, I believe a certain young Belgian talented kid just scored his first international goal against Italy. Should we give him a shot? This means I now need to go over and check who's <laughs> Belgian. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking. Oh, De Cata- I should have. I should have known. Manu is, is talking about uh, Charles De Catalaire, the um, uh, who's he played for? Is it uh, Andelect? I think it is. Um, is it Andelect or is it someone else? He's going to kill me for not knowing. I think it is Andelect. So, uh, I mean, young striker. Let me rephrase the question, Dan, because I know that you're not like Bruges. Thank you, Manu. That you depends on his FIFA rating, really. Yeah, obviously. That's the only thing that we can go by. Um, in regards to young strikers, because we've been linked to the likes of Kerry Madiemi, Alexander Rizak, Dusan Vlahovic, um, like 21-year-olds and under, do you think that's the age profile of striker that we should be going for? I think unless it's Haaland, then no. Mm. Because we've got Balogun, we've got that young striker, we've got Mika Biref, who's doing really well for the under-23s. Nikolai Muller was an ace been injured hasn't he yeah yeah so it's probably not for him but I think that the profile we need to go for is a a Calvert-Lewin someone who's already that good a 25 year old who's gonna just come straight in score goals but I I don't if we sign a 19 20 year old unless they're Haaland already they're Mm. not gonna come straight in and and score 20 plus a season that's what we need so yeah 24 25 year old I agree. Uh, Vlahovic is an interesting one um, because he looks like he could be like a Haaland-esque, ridiculously frequent goal scorer. But we've only seen it last season. So I suppose after this season, if he's done it two seasons in a row, it's it's fairly good evidence to suggest that he he could be a very special talent. An expensive one, though, that's for sure. Uh, Ed, Jared, uh, sorry, (laughs) Jared, Ed says, uh, two years into the Arteta era, do we need to hire a progressive offensive assistant coach I love the structure he's brought, but there are too many games the forward line looks out of ideas. It's actually part of the discussion we've not covered. If if we could add another coach, do you think that would help? Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. Um, coming in, I think when we hired Arteta, everybody thought he was going to be you know, a Pep Guardiola-style manager. And I think he's much more defensive-minded than I think a lot of us, including me, thought he was going to be. And, and he's done that to great effect. The defense is great. I, I would be very much on board with bringing in another assistant who's you know, very offensive minded that can hopefully help us in that area. I don't think that's a, a bad idea at all. And I think that's one of the major criticisms that a lot of people, including myself, have of Arteta is, you know, mid game changes. He's very, very hesitant to make any changes. I think he in his head says, you know, if, if we perform my tactics perfectly, we'll score. But that really doesn't matter if the players aren't out there performing it perfectly. And he's a little too hesitant to kind of make changes. So m- maybe an offensive minded assistant w- would be a good route to go. It's not a bad shout at all. Uh, Stephen Barton says, King, if we lose any of the next three home games, does Arteta get the sack? And I'm going to change this question because I think just saying one is is too less. King, if, if Arteta loses all of the next three home games, do you think he would still get the sack? Um, no, I don't think so. That doesn't mean that I don't think he would deserve it or don't deserve it. I just think that the club have decided to back Arteta, back this project, even if there's bombs, even if we lose games, poor form, <laughs> they yeah. are going to back him. He needs to be something extraordinary for Arteta to get sacked. Maybe like if we lose the next seven games in the row in the league and 
the play is so bad that you know the fans have turned on him the players have turned on him uh, only that can i see him get sacked other than that he's not getting sacked not anything near the future no. Uh, just to round off the show, uh, as I did respond to their question, I will respond to the our South African brothers, uh, Ludwig and Sasha. Uh, Ludwig says, don't you think it's more important for us to upgrade in the striker position and get a striker that can do more than just score easy goals? I think, Ludwig, it's more important that we upgrade in both positions. It's, again, football's not binary. We can have as much as we want. And Sasha says, what other player will come in and produce more goal contributions than Pepe for the £25 million price tag that's quoted for Pepe? Just because you sell a player for £25 million doesn't mean you have to replace them for the exact same fees is what i would say I Damari Damari i liked him a lot i really believed in him but i do agree with him i think it's better to move on from him i think there's a lot of goal scoring wingers that we can buy because pepe as good as he is in front of goal he's in game when it comes to passing being consistent he's not showed it and that's what's worried me. I mm. thought that he would get used to the tempo, but he's still very up and down. You can He looks like Messi sometimes, and then sometimes he looks like Iwobi, and it's just not good enough. <laughs> oh, the slab on Iwobi. Pepe is just a very predictable player. You know, every time he gets it, he wants to go on that left foot. And if you're up mm. against a good defender, he's not going to have a good game. Uh, that's where, when, it, when he's been good, it's the opposition that makes him look good, in my opinion. Oh, that's a big, big... Cl- I, but the thing is, like, I, 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 I still can't believe his first touch is so bad sometimes. I, when he, when the ball gets played into him or when he takes on a player and he just kicks it way too far ahead could of you, him for a player. Go on, Dan. Could you imagine that England game yesterday with Foden put the ball it, right in front and of Saka and it went it... If that was Pepe... That he'd it'd be out for a goal kick, wouldn't I it? wouldn't have the faith. I wouldn't have the same faith that he'd have the same touch that Saka had in that moment. That's, I think Saka's a more refined player, despite being six years younger, um, which is which probably says all you need to know. And I know a lot of people point to the goals and assists, but I will point to Saka's age and say that I think that Saka is producing right now a much more refined, higher level just without those goals and assists. And I think they will come. The more that you you put investment of time into Saka in that right wing position, I think the goals and assists will come. I think his record at international level is indication is an indication of that as well. I think but Tom, just how many wingers that are 20 year old playing in the Premier League Play like have that. scored lots of goals? Not even Ronaldo when he was playing for Man United was doing that. I think people I have too enjoy, much expectation yeah. of Saka. I, I think, think it's Saka, very easy to say he's overrated. Sorry, Dan, go on. I think Saka's not overrated. I think he's brilliant. I think oh, when he's 26, good. he's going to be scoring at least 20 goals and assists, probably for Man City. But He's just been put into the top 10 for the Young Ballon d'Or Award. At the dish, right? Like, and he's one of the favourites for it as well. He's not going to be in the, that. He's not going to be near the tenth place. He's going to be in that top five for me. Like you look at the players that are in that, and I think that Saka is up there amongst your, your Bellingham's of this world. I think Bellingham is arguably the, probably the favourite. I think he's my favourite youngster in the world right now. With how good he is, he's ridiculous. Florian Verts as well is is exceptional, and there's Pedri too from from Spain is is another favourite for it. But I, I just for me that Saka is just producing more consistent performances than Pepe, despite being six years younger. 
and that's worth the investment. I, I saw a clip, and I will—I can't remember the name of the channel, but I, I remember a quote tweeting or replying to it, and someone said that Saka is overrated, and they would sell him for eighty to ninety million. And I think Drew actually tweeted out something saying if we got like a ninety million bid that he'd sell him. And I'm like, Not but who are you going to trust the club to buy for, <laughs> to replace Saka? I wouldn't trust him with like thirty million to replace anyone. So I don't know why we would risk like selling a, yeah. a generational talent like he's priceless to us to me i was having a heated discussion with sasha in discord of course <laughs> and he was i he was saying but why do we need to compare the two can't we just have both what what's no. wrong with having pepe as depth but 72 million pound depth 100 I, I don't necessarily look at depth. the price tag but i'd rather invest the time in omari hutchinson to mm. the pepe yeah, I was going to say Pepe got two years left on his contract this summer. So he's either exactly. uh, we either have to renew his contract and probably raise his 140k mm. a week, or we have to sell him. And I would say sell him and then look at someone maybe like mm. Rafinha, who's who do score goals, but is also consistently mm. good in the in game. Or you know, there's lots of other wingers that we can get. So yeah. I would sell him. I put a piece out the other day where I suggested a few options. Uh, one was Kingsley Coman, but I know a lot of people have referenced his injury record. But, I mean, players come to this club completely unscathed from injuries and then spend months and months out. So I never really take a, too much of a notice to them at the moment. Uh, Musa Diaby was another one from Bayer Leverkusen that I quite like and obviously plays more on the left. And we need to sign someone who's going to play on the left because Saka's going to be on the right. There was another one that I'll try and remember. Oh, Pedro Conchalves from uh, from Sporting Lisbon, Portuguese international. Really exciting player and a big goal scorer as well. Let's round off the show with the big Pepe question. And chat box, I want you to get involved with this. Uh, one word answer, sell or renew in 2022 with two years left on his, on his deal. Dan, sell or renew, Nicola Pepe? Definitely sell. Jared? Sell. King? Sell. Uh, makes a full house uh, with me saying sell as well. Remember, guys, this isn't a, a slam of Pepe. We're not saying that he's bad. We're just saying that we want better. That's that's all we want. And uh, we're entitled to ask for it because we pay to go to the games. So uh, we're entitled to an opinion, as is, of course, anyone else. There is. I hate that whole line of, if you don't go to games, your opinion's worth less. Jared, your opinion's worth nothing. <laughs> I've got a bit of a commute if I'm going to make it. <laughs> exactly honestly the ridiculous analogies that some come up with anyway we are going to wrap things up there but i am seeing in the chat box i'm seeing a lot of sell i was hoping that sasha was going to put sell for a second uh manu says sell uh captain uncle says sell new uh trying to mold them together next says sell and i love pepe uh so there you go tom says depends on the fee greg says sell um pepe is good says uh Fazana. i'm not saying he isn't good i'm just saying that he's not good enough for, for what we need to see uh man who says sell but i love the guy <laughs> mogos just says no he's bad <laughs> which you know is, is a little bit more binary paul says sell and sasha says won't all those players also cost upwards of 50 million yes okay i don't know where this theory of if you sell for 25 million you have to buy for 25 million i don't know where it comes from arsenal makes plenty of revenue we spent That's, 150 million last summer there's nothing wrong with spending another 72 million on a winger there's nothing it, wrong exactly Exactly. And, and to be fair, you will find that players that you sign for maybe a, a slightly less amount of money, you look at, and I, I brought the example of, say, Rafinha was brought in from Wren, wasn't really ripping up trees in, in Liga, but 
has come in and done really well. Sadio Mane brought in by Southampton from Salzburg. Wasn't ripping up trees in the Austrian Bundesliga and has excelled brilliantly in the Premier League. Mohamed Salah came in from, from Roma from Serie A and has, has excelled all expectations as well. Just because a player is not scoring a comparative amount of goals right now doesn't mean that they're stylistically not going to explode if we identify the right player. So it's, again, we use that word binary again. Football is not so binary. Anyway, we're going to finish things off there. Like, uh, like to take a second to thank my brilliant panel chat box. If you could show them some love and drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Dan, much appreciated time, mate. Tell people where they can find you. Cheers. It's been great being on. Yeah, you can find me on was that Twitter? I don't do it too much. To <laughs> be uses social media. <laughs> yeah, not not too often, but yeah, come on the Discord, join as a member. It's great. I'll be on Go. there. Information can... is in the description if you want to join up. So you'll be able to find Dan there, won't you, Dan? And you can see the Discord FPL uh, league mm. as well. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Jared, absolute pleasure to have you on, of course. I know that you're making appearances on the Gunas podcast as well, so you can give those guys and yourself a shout-out. You're on mute. 2021 problems. There we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully as time allows, I'll be able to come back on to some of the member pods more regularly. That's that's my hope. Uh, yeah, in between, I'm doing some shows with Mike and the boys over at the Gunas pod, and uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at JC underscore AFC. There you go. And finally, rounding off our brilliant panel for the, this evening, King, thank you so much. I know that you're not the biggest on social media, but you can tell people where they can find you in the Discord server, I'm sure. Yes, you can definitely find me on the Discord server. I'm, I'm very active there. Been a bit inactive lately because of a new addition to the family. Yes, but, congratulations. Yes, congratulations. This, is, yes, this is your first yes, show yes, since yes. the newborn, is it not? I think this is the yeah, first yeah, one since. So, is. chat box, please give a big congratulations to King on his new little one. Was it boy or girl? Was it a girl, Halima? A little girl. Yeah, that's 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 the dream, really. You don't want a little boy. <laughs> You just don't. It's, I mean, you go, oh, yeah, they come out and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a boy. And you're going, oh, damn. <laughs> so you hit the jackpot there, son. So congratulations. Thank but, you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, but you can so, find me on the Discord. You'll find me sometimes here on Members Podcast. It's great. That's it. There you go. Uh, and if you'd like to be where these guys are sitting on the panel for our preview shows for the Premier League season, uh, you can join up as a member, as a TGT ambassador or an expert member, and that enables you to join our Discord server. Links will be out on the community tab. So make sure to, if you're having a struggle joining up, I know some people have a little bit of an issue, send me a DM either on Instagram or on Twitter, and I'll try and direct you. I know there's been a few people that I need to get back to about that, so apologies. It's been a crazy, crazy week, um, but I'll try and get back to you on that. But thank you so much for tuning in. Please do subscribe. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow morning as always at 8 a.m for the next arsenal news show uh, and then we'll have lots of, of content i'll also be on with the guys over on the arsenal lounge at 8 p.m tomorrow night as well so make sure you tune in for all of that goodness drop a like subscribe we'll see you again very very soon and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.